0: So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Bassem Issa and my cousin Matt Zirashi, who, if you haven't seen the official announcement by now, making it official on air, my cousin Matt Zirashi shall shall be joining the Easy Conversation podcast full time as a co-host. So now I won't have to ask you, say what's up to the people, you'll be one of the people doing the intro with me.
1: So say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Very happy when uh, Hick asked me to join full-time, and I can't wait to uh, be a co-host and have many episodes to come. Yeah,
0: so we're still figuring out what the dynamic's going to be like. Hopefully there isn't too much of a power struggle because I'm used to running this, but I'm sure we won't have too many issues there.
1: No, we won't have any (laughs) issues. We have good chemistry together, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So for this episode now, this is Matt's first full-time episode on here so he'll be obviously joining me as you've heard and we also brought in both our uncle big al alain zirashi say what's up to the people
2: what's up the people uh, <laughs> i just want to thank uh, eric for the invitation uh, it's great to be here eric thank you
0: yeah no it's awesome to have you on here so now for this episode episode 26 we shall be discussing the divisive polarizing sports franchise that are the ottawa senators and in this episode we'll be going back to previous seasons of the ottawa senators discussing the state of the franchise where we are now and where we're headed down the road so for this episode we could open up by talking about some of the past seasons that we've experienced There have been highs and lows with this franchise for many years now maybe we could throw it to matt first what is one of your most distinct
1: Sens memories that you look back at as like, ah, oh, those were the days? Uh, my fondest memory of the Ottawa Senators is when I went to see a playoff. It was, uh, I believe, 2003 when they were playing the New Jersey Devils in the conference finals, I believe. Yep, yep. Uh, I went to see, well, I went to see game five, which they won. Um, they were down 3-1, to one and they had it, like, it was a must win, and that was like probably the best game I've ever been to. And then they won game six in New Jersey. And then game seven, we know they uh, they lost. But that was my like best game I've ever been to because the, the energy of the crowd was super exciting.
2: Yeah, I remember that series. Uh, <laughs> game six was the famous uh, Chris Phillips goal. Uh, he scored uh, either in overtime or late in the game to bring it back to Ottawa. I don't know if you remember that one, uh, Matt.
1: Yes, I remember that one because I remember my dad jumping so high he, like, <laughs> punched through the ceiling in the basement.
2: No damage done, though. Huh? Uh, no.
1: no, I think he made a mark. He's pretty strong guy, as <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: Uh, that's gold. And I actually remember that series, too. I was at Game 7 with my dad, and I remember going to the game. My dad said, like, oh, Eric, you're so lucky to be going to this game, and we're probably going to witness history that they're going to win, and sure as shit, uh... I always thought it was Jamie Langenbrunner that scored the OT goal looking back, but I think he made the pass for the, the game-winner in overtime.
2: It's uh, I think the uh, game-winner was scored by Jeff Friesen.
0: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I know, Game 5. I don't really remember Game 5 specifically myself there, but I do remember back when Ottawa was obviously relevant and always in the playoff hunt, going toe-to-toe with Buffalo. And I will go over to you, Al. uh fondest memories looking back at the past sends.
2: Well, you brought up a great segue there, Eric, because uh, the series, uh, the matchups that they had with Buffalo over the years is uh, is uh, some of them are pretty uh, memorable, but I'll go back to the first time that they actually made the playoffs. Uh, they had to uh, I think it was a 0-0 game against Buffalo, the last game of the um, of the season and they needed to win to make the playoffs for the very Ooh, first geez. time and uh they scored um uh they scored in the in the last few minutes of the game to win that game one nothing wow and it was uh, Matt duchesne or not no sorry <laughs> not Matt duchesne That's your day. Um, oh, i forget who scored it was a Matt, defenseman
0: uh, Karkner? or no that would have been before <laughs> his time yeah yeah
2: anyway yashin was involved in the play passed it to the defenseman and he ended up scoring and it was um in nets, there, legendary goalie for uh, Buffalo. Hasek. Hasek, of yeah. course, yeah.
0: yes. Yeah, obviously, those are the, what are looked at as the glory days. So I'm going to bring it back to a little, um, not like closer back in time, I guess, to the uh, 2015 Hamburglar run. So one of the things there for me is I was kind of conflicted on that run because at the time we were doing very poorly and it was during the McDavid draft. And I was kind of hoping Ottawa would tank that year. But obviously, the highs we felt during that season can't really, like, it was worth it looking back, where going to games was actually, like, thrilling, and I think they had adopted the cardiac kids' mental or, like, identity, where we were looked at as a team that was, like, just not expected to do anything, but then the kids would come through. Could that be when Stone and them were all rookies? Stone and Hoffman, I'm pretty sure that's when they were rookies. The year, uh, 2015, I'm pretty sure that was the year.
2: Yeah, that was a great run. I had the same feelings too, that, um, uh, it would have been nice to, for them to get a higher draft pick that year, but it was so exciting. Um, every game they were in it, they were coming back from, uh, to win games, uh, just incredible, uh, maybe over a 30 game period, they, they lost like maybe just a handful of games. I can't yeah. remember the exact streak, but. Uh, Hamburger was something uh, amazing, and the thing that I remember, which is kind of like not so good, was Curtis Lazar picking yeah. up the <laughs> Yo, I was at cheeseburger. That game, <laughs> I remember at the time thinking, "Man, what are you doing?" <laughs> That's greatest moment in the NHL. Exactly, infamous, infamous yeah. moment for him.
0: Yeah, all downhill from there for Lazar. But, yeah, no, I was at that game. Actually, I was at the game where Hamburglar played his first game for the Sens against Pittsburgh, and I brought my friend Julien. He's a big Pittsburgh fan, and I always remember he looked at me and said, oh, I've always wanted to see Andrew Hammond play at Nets sarcastically, and, of course, he we went on to win that game, and <laughs> that, that was the start of his run. So that's just a classic, uh, just nougat of information there. But yeah, no, those were good times. And we've been on a few of those, like, random runs of success.
1: 2017.
0: 2017, yeah. And that could kind of be looked at as a turning point in our franchise. But before we get into that, we could also look at a little, like, more uh, past players. So if you had to identify your one all-time greatest or favorite
1: senator, who would it be? Matt. That's going to be really cliche, but Daniel (laughs) Alfredson. Just because, like, from a young kid, like, I knew like he was always on the team and he was a captain and he was a great player. And I just, it was, he was just always there and a great leader on and off the ice. So yeah, it's cliche, but I loved I love Alfie. Yeah.
2: Actually, I don't think there's anything cliche about it. Uh, Matt. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm totally in agreement with you. It's Alfie all the way. I mean, he represents everything on that team. He's always been a consistent, uh, a player, always excelling, uh, who else could you cheer for?
0: Yeah, he's really all you can ask for, for, like the face of a franchise, and it's a shame he couldn't bring a cup back to our city. But, you know, Alfie is definitely the guy, and obviously me too, if I had to choose an all-time great or favorite center would be him, but I'm going to go with them. The man who scored fifty for us twice, Danny Heatley, the excitement he brought in Ottawa. I mean, it's a shame how it all ended for him. But for the time when we were we were dominating, he was a great, a large part of it, right? Him, Spetsa, and Alfie. Like, name a more dominant line in franchise history for the Sens, if we'll ever have one like that. Yeah, again.
2: that's a good point, Eric. Um, I wonder, like. Now that we're looking back, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, uh, this player, that player. But at the moment, you know, they were having their biggest success. Who would you say that you would have, Did you enjoyed watching more? I got to say that I did like Heatley at the time. I loved the trade when it happened, but it's only afterwards that things fell apart that I, I soured on him.
0: Mm-hmm. And that can kind of be said also for our, great EK 65 Eric Carlson who I don't know looking back at I remember at the time when he was on our team people would largely criticize his defensive game but then when you look back at his stats on like nhl.com or wherever you look up stats just the points this guy put up I feel like we took it for granted kind of and I don't know obviously the way he's playing Now in his career, he's on the decline a little bit there, but he's also, should be in the conversation for top three
1: greatest senator all time. I 100% agree with that. I remember when he was starting out, like I was in university back in the day, and just talking to my classmates and saying this guy's actually like, like, we were just marveling at his, like when we were watching the highlights and what he could do was I knew I was witnessing something really special actually, and not just, he's not just an ordinary great player, he's pretty unique
2: yeah especially uh after he won his first norris like uh, i remember thinking oh he's a long shot to win Uh, but he he, it was a surprise when he won and uh, um, i just didn't appreciate him as much uh, even then when he won the the first norris after he won the second and in the 2017 run i was like whoa this guy is like playing on another level yeah
1: yeah, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but like the he's had some seasons like I think arguably better than his Norris trophy winning seasons that he could have easily won too. Like when he was playing better defensively and it wasn't just all about the points. Uh, yeah, no, I remember I remember that.
0: Cuz uh, yeah, the year he got 82 in 82 or even maybe less, he got robbed. And then the next year Burns was the highest scoring defenseman, I'm pretty sure, and he won it. Mm-hmm. But that was I think Carlson's most rounded, complete season uh, yeah. whereas then you look at the year before they didn't give it to him because of his points and his defensive game was lacking. but then they're saying the same things about burns i'm pretty sure that he still gives up so much defensively mm-hmm. but they turned a blind eye i guess there no, i agree he could have had at least three if not four in ottawa now i think those days are long gone there with the New defenseman coming up.
2: Yeah, a question for you, uh, Eric. uh, You still cheer for uh, Eric Carlson a little bit uh, deep down?
0: Not at all. (laughs) First of all, because I want to get into this later is because I'm largely going against San Jose this year because we have their pick. And I also just don't care for that team to begin with. So even in the playoffs last year, I wasn't cheering for Carlson or San Jose. I was going for St. Louis in that series. Actually, I was going for whoever was against San Jose. I was going for Vegas and Dallas and then obviously St. Louis and whoever would have won out of Boston and or um, Carolina I would have cheered for over San Jose. Obviously, if Carlson had won the cup, I'd be happy for him. But no, I, I wasn't cheering for San Jose.
2: Uh, another question for you, uh, just to go back, revisit the the best Senators over time or your favorite Senator. Yep. Is there any love for uh, Jason Spezza in there? Or?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, he's also a guy who got so much hate, I feel like, back in the day for the infamous no-look drop pass between the legs. That was his patented, uh, the Spetsa pass. But no, he was good for what he did for us. I'd have to look up his stats too, but I feel like he, he was like a lightning rod for hate. I feel like every Canadian team needs that one guy to just pile on. Shout out CeCe, uh, an actual pile on. But um you know what I mean? No, I, I definitely like Spets and I feel like he's getting mistreated in Toronto, especially the first game against Ottawa. The healthy scratch was definitely doing him dirty there by Bobcock. Well, I,
2: I would have Spets in my top three of uh all time sense. All time sense, yeah. You know, like Alfredson number one, Carlson two, Spets at three. Um for Spets right now <laughs> we have a disagreement coming up. Yeah, let's but, hear uh, it. we'll hear what Matsu has to say
1: a number three—that's that's a little high. Like I'm thinking of like guys like Chris Phillips, and not necessarily the most talented sense, but you know the ones with the most heart. Because I think Spet—that's what Spetsa lacked was like drive and heart. And he just—he was repeating the same. He he did not want to learn. He was repeating the same mistakes every single year. And and I like I met the guy in person, super nice guy, but I don't think he's like all there up there, you know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> not to be mean, ah. but. But
0: on that topic, though, of Chris Phillips and his number retirement coming up, what are your thoughts on that? My friend uh, Mart actually was texting me right away, almost furious that he was getting his jersey retired. If looking at his, He actually texted me like, oh, the guy hasn't had a season where he got more than 26 points. But I think for Phillips, you got to look past the statistical um, offensive numbers, but more so what he did for the community, for the Sens and just being a like a first overall pick in the 1994 draft who, if you look at anyone else drafted that year, is the only player who had a long career. And that in itself yeah. is impressive. With the same franchise, I feel like he absolutely deserves his number retired.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think there are other factors that weighed into the decision there for uh, retiring his number. Like based on his stats, I don't know if he's deserving, but... It, to a team, like to the community, the longevity he had. Uh, I think he's the uh, all-time ta- all all-time games played uh, Sens leader. I think he so, yeah. surpassed Alfredson. Huh. So I don't know. It's it's kind of like uh, I think Ken Danico in New Jersey may have had his number retired. I don't know if like know Chris Phillips is. is like on the same level as 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 him as a player. Ken Danico was a very defensive defenseman. Okay and he played on Stanley Cup winners in New Jersey. Uh, Very tough guy, you know, Like more like when it was old-fashioned hockey back then. Similar circumstances to Phillips in a way, but uh, maybe it's because each of them uh, meant more to their team and the community than their actual stats.
1: I agree with everything you've (laughs) said. You can't just look at the points, basically. Although I think we might talk about this later, but I think the NHL is like gearing up more to like points or everything. And stati- it's more statistics are everything. And you, there's a statistic you can't, me- or there's a factor you can't measure in a player. And that's like his heart and how he plays. And we'll talk about this later, but there are some sense on the roster right now that I think lack that, that heart okay. or, or a hardworking factor. And I think Chris Phillips had that in his youth and he was always like competitive and he wanted, he had the will to win wasn't soft
2: i think that other factor you're you're referring to is like how good they are in the room uh, (laughs) that's (laughs) it
1: yeah because i feel like some some sense players are only there for that factor (laughs) right now and that might be part of the problem right now well
0: i guess we can just segue right into that the where where are we now kind of thing state of the state of the franchise and that's where we are right now we're just looking for guys who are good in the room to mentor the young kids in the locker room and to just set up the franchise, our team to have success down the road. I think we're in year two of them, five year plan for unparalleled success. And uh, we're on the right track. I think we're um, full on rebuilding. It would have been great if we had a pick last year in the draft, but I'm now obviously hindsight is 2020, but I'm extremely happy. We kept our pick in 2018 and selected Brady Kachuk with the fourth overall pick in 2018 and not, defer it to 2019 so i want to ask you al first Mm -hmm. where do you think we stand right now as a franchise and do you like how we're positioned to have success going forward with where we are
2: yeah i think they're in a great uh, position right now um uh, as a franchise Uh, they're uh, like the coaching staff um i think they're instilling a great work ethic when i look at the games um i'm watching these guys play and there there doesn't seem to be any passengers on the team uh not as much as i've seen in the past you know they're all they all need to work and pull on the same rope there to get their ice time there's a a a couple of players that could be upgraded so maybe uh you know you got some free agents that you can maybe trade at the trade deadline uh boost up your uh your prospect pool and or and or more picks and of course the they're setting up nicely for the draft cuz this draft this year is uh remarkably better than uh, the past few years uh it's deep uh, top two players, everybody knows them by now. There's no debate on who they are and uh, how good they they project to be. And uh, I've heard like it's deep down uh, to the end of the first round, maybe even to the second round.
1: Not. Mm-hmm. So everything you said was is very good, but I think the Sen's main problem, and it's something that literally we cannot do anything about is, the owner of the team, yeah. and it's such a touchy subject. And we can come. I complain like every week about Hugh- Eugene Melnick. He's like the worst owner in sports history. Maybe not in sports history, but you know, it's just frustrating to see. Like I haven't been to a game in like a year and a half because of him. And it's just when I when people ask me about the Sens, I just immediately jump on the owner because it just frustrates me so much. So then, talking about the team itself. Uh, like every night I watch the games up until like this maybe not the full game if they start losing badly but I see some players that I don't, I have literally no idea why why they're playing and why the, our guys in Belleville are not like on our team right now and I guess we can get into those players now um, like
0: well it's part of yeah where we are right now Yeah, for like
1: sure Mark borvietsky I <laughs> literally do not know why that guy's in the NHL what do you think about him Take one. Uh Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll go ahead with this. Um, I agree, Matsu. I've never been, like, a big Boro fan. But at the same time, I think he's played better this year. You know what? I, I don't notice him as much on the ice. Uh, there's been some stretches where he's taken, like, two, three penalties in a row, and then it's like, okay, what's, what are you doing, you know? But on the other hand, sometimes... Uh, I have to say, oh, yeah, uh, I haven't seen uh, Boru. He hasn't stood out in a negative way. I like the pairing him and DeMello. I think that uh, they, they seem to uh, have, have done pretty good together. But on the other hand, if they Borowitzki is a free agent at the end of this year, I don't see a future for him with Ottawa next year. So if they re sign him, I don't know what their criteria is. He's he would be a great uh trade um asset at the trade deadline, I think.
1: No, I I first of all, I think if the Sens re-sign him, I'm gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to watch <laughs> next year. And I'm not the only one who's thinking that. Um two, he's playing a little better because Damello's c co- covering for him, which I guess is what a good D partner is for. Like Mark Mathod and Carlson were a great duo. Um mm-hmm. But it's just, I like, he's supposed to be a tough guy, but he doesn't know how to hit. He hits with his arms and not his shoulders. He's just, he's, I don't want to say anything mean, but, like, he's just horrible on the ice, (laughs) according to me. And, And some of the forwards we have, I question, like, their commitment. Like, I see guys like Brady Kachuk, like, launching their bodies in the forecheck, like, going to get that puck and then players like Chris Tierney who doesn't even like his self-preservation is making him making him not hit anybody and not get like going those scrums. Okay,
0: so there's a lot a lot going on here. My Sorry. thoughts on Borvietsky, I'll just say what feels like I think we we're talking about this the other day, like five years ago, I said in two years, that guy won't be in the NHL anymore. And I think that if you were on any other team, he wouldn't be. The only reason he's still there is because we have a place for him or we made a place for him. To me, at the start of the year, I was extremely surprised that, first of all, they sent Yarosh down. And that Borvo is still on the team. And I, even Joie as well. So he's kind of taken a spot away from one of our young players. But he's also there to be that mentor, leader, good guy in the room. Which I feel like he is just from seeing the everything he does. Like, I'm going to go back to this again. Community, he's been there. We can't only be kids on the ice. It would be it'd be tough for them to for their development, and they need someone to look up to. And for now, Borghesi is that guy. That being said, I hope he's not on the team next year, but he very well might be just because we're still in that rebuild and we don't have any like stud defensive prospects. Like maybe they don't see a place for Lajoie or Jarosz on the team. Clearly not right now, but it depends on all the free agents, like you alluded to
2: yeah the the way I see the Sens defense uh, moving forward is they got they got four pieces right now that I would that I are gonna stay. Like he of course, you have Shabbat. Mm-hmm. and Zaitsev is signed for another five years. Yeah. Uh Branstrom, if he develops correctly, and uh, Dylan DeMello, I would say uh, you keep him on the team. He's going to be a free agent too, but I hope they re-sign him.
0: I'd much rather they sign him than yeah. Borvo.
2: So then you have Boro and Ron Hainsey. You know, both at the... Well, Hainsey is definitely at the tail end of his career. So if you can trade him at the deadline, please go ahead. Uh, Boro, um, you know, he is an assistant... Same with Ehrenzey. <laughs> I don't know what uh, what kind of move right yeah, there. what kind of commitment the team uh, means by that. But I would have to say that Borro and Ehrenzey are the the odd man out, the odd man out here on defense. And then that opens it up for Christian Wallanen when he oh, right. gets better. You know, I think they were really disappointed. Got hurt. I think he was going to be on the team, and Branstrom was going to be in Belleville. So that. I think that to kind of threw them a curveball. So Wallan is kind of penciled in, I would say, and then you have one spot open for uh, all the other prospects. This is like the picture for next year, of course.
0: Yeah. yeah or, no.
2: or maybe at the end of uh, towards the end of the season too, after the deadline.
0: So yeah, I just want to say, at the time we're recording this, it's November twelfth, twenty nineteen. So a lot may have changed by the time this drops. So we're talking about it today, Matt.
1: Something odd. No that's a very good point give our viewers perspective our listeners perspective but bringing it back to Eugene Melnick do you not find do you guys not finding find it so frustrating like loving this team but like you know the owner is a crooked like we don't even know what he's doing and he's uh, it's, aren't you guys frustrated by that
2: yes it's um it's kind of it. It kind of takes uh, a bit away from following the senators and uh, trying to enjoy just the hockey product. Uh, lately, though, this year, I've just been thinking about the um, the on ice product instead of like the off ice issues. It's it's nice that there hasn't been any major controversy. Uh, we haven't heard from Melnick. You know, he's been keeping a low profile, which makes it easier to take. You know, it just thinking about hockey but um, if we look at the big picture of the ottawa senators like other than hockey just business their place in ottawa and all that there there's definitely like uh, a big missed opportunity in because of Mel, melnick's involvement you know like moving the team downtown with a new arena and all this it seems that every time melnick gets involved with other business people you're gonna get burned. You're yeah. gonna get sued. <laughs> you know? it it it's just it's very unfortunate. For sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think what's positive, at least recently, is his commitment to our young uh, key pieces moving forward. Like uh, the Shabbat signing was a that's an extremely encouraging move for our franchise, and it's encouraging, especially for what could be for Brady at the end of this year. Because he's due for he could get an extension as soon as July first, twenty twenty. So hopefully they give him something in the ballpark of what they gave Shabbat. I think he deserves that. Um, the commitment to White, but now it's about like the setting up the future, basically. And I think those two moves were pretty big. But I agree though the the um, stalling and ho- complete halt to the move downtown really hurt, and that was really frustrating. Getting that news that it, we weren't gonna move forward with a um, new development downtown. Cause that would have just been more money in his pocket too. I don't understand his his inability to um, want to work well with other or just work with others. It's got to be his way. He's got guys got the blinders on.
2: Well, we keep hearing that he has no money, and you get a hint of that from like his business partners. That it seems like they're leaned on to like cover a lot of the the costs, you know, to um, going forward, but melnick uh, does come out and say that the team's not going anywhere mm. he's got the wherewithal to support this team for a long time so uh, we can debate his like uh his fortune uh but we don't really know
1: well obviously he has enough money to go to the casino because he keeps spending <laughs> but okay here's another question or topic of debate like why are there only nine thousand or ten thousand people showing up at every Sens game? Is it one, it's too far. It's in Canada, so three quarters of the city doesn't want to drive there. Two, is it because of Eugene Melnick and we don't want to give him more money and we want change? Or three, is it because the Sens are struggling right now? I thought I I'm I always I'm always having these thoughts like Ottawa's fan base is very strange that way. Like when they're doing well, we're all like yeah. Like at work, everyone's like yeah. How about the Sens? They're winning everyone's like a fan when that happens and then when they're struggling it's only like the true fans that are talking about them and watching the game so like what what's what is the problem with the attendance this year it's a fickle
0: fan base like i think you're you're right on all three accounts but i think it's more two and three less so the distance or the location cannot because people used to go like i remember going when i was younger Sellout crowd, 21,000, 20 20-some-thousand, whatever. Now they I haven't been to a game in the last few years that they've announced it's been a sellout because it never is. And um, like um the attendance is, like you said, 9,010 if we're lucky. So it's sad to see all the empty seats at the arena. I still go, though. I like going to the games. And even though I'm hoping we tank this year I still want to cheer for that when I'm at the game I don't really think about Melnick to be honest I'm just happy to watch hockey and support the team that I've always cheered for and I'm still gonna keep going to the games and supporting the team not really Melnick but I don't think that the people not going to in to spite Melnick kind of are helping at all I think that's just causing more of a problem with our um, Like, oh, are they going to have to move the team? Is Melnick going to have to sell kind of thing? You never know where it's going to go. But I don't think that not going is helping or kind of a part of the problem, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, okay, I agree with that. And I am, I'll admit, I am guilty of that, like not going because of Melnick. But maybe that's just my excuse. And honestly, the distance does affect me. Oh, for sure. Like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I love the distance, yeah. but
2: uh yeah, it would have been cool to to for them to have like uh, some positive uh, vibes going forward with the Ottawa auto- with the downtown location. Now it's just going to delay things, it's going to take longer, but um I still enjoy following the team, uh going to the games. Um I'm a pretty big uh Sends buff, so uh, I, I try to think more about the hockey product than the business side
0: of things. Yeah, me too. That's how I approach it as well. So um, on the topic of state of the franchise, current Sens, we took a look at past Senators. Who right now is the player you're most excited about and or just love watching him play? And Matt, we can start with you.
1: Well, this is just recent for me, but I've been pleasantly surprised with Nick Paul's play mm-hmm. because I've been seeing him the last couple of years like he comes up for a game or like for several games and then they send him back down, but I think he's here to stay now, I believe I hope because he's actually playing a lot better in my opinion and he's like He's not gonna be like a Mark Stone, but I'm seeing shades of Mark Stone sometimes. Sorry, I can't say that seriously.
0: But you kind of are seeing shades of Mark Stone. No,
1: like sometimes, like I see flashes of brilliance by Nick right. Paul, and I think he'll improve. Like he hustles like crazy, you. and he's very hardworking, and like that's what I want to see. Like players like Pajot, Nick Paul, Brady, Brady Kachuk's honestly probably my favorite player right now. Like he has so much heart, and how can you hate him? I, unless you're on the other team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's going to be the player the other teams love to hate and uh, kind of like a Brendan Gallagher in Montreal, but like uh, uh, bigger, more imposing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you on um, on Nick Paul. Um, love seeing him getting some success in the NHL. and But uh, I've been following him in Belleville for a little while now, and uh, I thought it was just a matter of time for him to make the switch. Like last year, he was a dominant player in the AHL. I have to say that him, Logan Brown, and batherson that line in Belleville was probably one of the best uh, lines in the AHL first stretch there. So uh, I was really hoping Paul would do it this year, and I hope he can... You know what they say? the, the It's one thing to make it the NHL, and then after that, it's the hardest thing is to stay there. So I hope it continues going well for him.
0: So Paul's your guy as well right now? I uh, actually... Yeah. <laughs>
2: I have to say that I, I've been following the, the Sens prospects in Belleville. And then when they come up, I'm I'm excited to see them uh, in the NHL, get a better look at them. But one prospect that i maybe not excited, but like really intrigued about, because I, I haven't seen him play. I don't know much about him, but it's uh, it's somebody that I think could potentially fit like nicely into the future of this team and that's Jacob Bernard Docker. Right. That um, I I really don't know much about him, but I think he's vying for a spot on the uh, on the junior national team. Yeah, yeah, he is. So maybe we'll get to see him a little bit more uh, come Christmas time.
0: Yeah, hopefully. So what I meant in my question, sorry. That was actually going to be the next question was prospect. This one was like on the roster right uh, now. But it's all good. We got a little sneak peek there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, no, that's a great answer for current and future. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay, on the roster now. That's what I meant. Yeah, favorite well, player Bobby Ryan. <laughs> okay. I can't even say that seriously. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, it's Brady Kachuk. Like I just I said before, he's my favorite player. Yeah. And uh, I Pajot, I've always liked Pajot because he has heart and I Big mean, he's doing guy. he's like any team would love Pajot because you need guys like that to win the Stanley Cup. Um yeah. Just on a side note when when they traded Mark Stone last year, that that punched to me because he was my favorite player. Man, and that was tough. I'm thinking like Brady Kachuk is kind of like me replace. I'm replacing Mark Stone with Brady Kachuk because they both have the same like drive to win, and you can see it when they score, and they're just so like they're so happy. They love playing, and yeah. yeah. Kachuk with
0: the Sandman celebration on Saturday night, like the uh, arms up, that killed me. yeah yeah
2: that was a good one
0: tuscan raider Raider, damn um okay so me for current sense um nick paul is on the team by the way they told him he's staying for the year so that's confirmed which is great i agree he's been he looks like he's flying out there too like skating with some good speed for his size and like making some nice skilled plays so i hope he can pan out actually because he's the last remaining piece of the jason spezza trade right so Um, Now I'm happy to see him have some success now. And yeah, I was also following them in Belleville. Like I was looking at the box score last year, like every night it's like Nick Paul, two goals, one assist, Drake Batherson, one goal, three assists, Brown, two and two. Like it was awesome to see. So hopefully eventually they can all three of them be cogs on the team. For me, I mean, it's kind of an obvious answer. I'm a big Brady Kachuk guy just so fun to watch and entertaining. He's always got a smile on his face at like getting in people's faces, not scared of backing down from anybody. He's already playing like he's a 10 year veteran out there. So, um, no, Kachuk's done. Da- and he's skilled too. I'm just excited for him to really find his groove where he can get into the, more of the skilled goals that I know he, he's capable of pulling off. Like we've seen him do some, some great goals, like world juniors before he was on the Sens and, um, the shootout against team Canada. I don't know if you remember, he did like a nice forehand backhand top shelf against Canada and obviously he wanted Canada to win that game, but just I already liked Kachuk and that was before he was on the team. So I was happy we were able to draft him and already see what he's able to do for us is awesome. And um, I guess we'll get into future player as well. Bernard Docker. I'm also very excited about him. I'm happy he went back to North Dakota for one more year in college the way his stats are looking right now, I think he's going to sign and turn pro after this year, but who knows? We're in no rush to get him on the team. He'll still be like 20 by the time his season's done, so if he wants to go back to school, keep developing, that's fine. Um, don't want to rush all our young defensemen in. Another defenseman I'm excited for is Lassie Thompson, the guy we drafted first round this year. Is playing in Finland right now. He's looking pretty solid from the highlights I've seen. Obviously, don't watch those games in Liga but I still like to try to follow Sen's prospects as much as possible. Him, and if I can add one more in there, Josh Norris. What have we got in this guy? The guy we got in the the Carlson trade. He's the first rounder from San Jose. So it's a little disappointing to see he's in and out of the lineup in Belleville, not playing every game. But I hope he gets to have an opportunity there. And who knows, maybe at some point come up this year when we start trading guys like the likes of a Pajot possibly. For oh, no, much- no, no, you can't trade Peugeot. <laughs> come on.
2: No, I I, I really um uh, on that note, uh, sorry to cut you off, Eric. Okay. I just want to say that if they're gonna come down to like uh trading like thinking about Peugeot, they they gotta trade Chris Tierney first, you know. Like you gotta have room for Peugeot on the team.
0: What are you getting in a return for a Tierney, though? I don't know.
2: I I, I don't I don't know if you care. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more you wanna make room for other players coming in. That's the way I see it.
0: Okay. Thoughts?
1: I don't know the way I hear people talk about Chris Tierney. It makes like I don't understand. They're always praising him, maybe because of his. He does get the points, but if you if you actually watch him play, you know what he's all about.
0: Are they praising him? I feel last oh, year I think they were, but this year I've heard. I haven't okay. heard much.
2: I've heard mixed. Him. I've heard mixed yeah. reviews on him. You know.
1: Well, I hear I like people at work that only like watch the highlights, and they're like, "Oh, Tierney's really good." I'm like. Well, you don't actually watch the game. You just see he got an assist. So how do you actually know if he's good? He just has a lot of ice time on the power play, and he's there in the big moments. Um, but the, just quickly, the prospect, I'm, uh, the, Drake Batherson is the guy I'm looking forward to the most. Just because what I've seen so far when he was called up, he has talent, and that's what we need basically. And he's he's a big guy. Just Yeah, give him more ice. Yeah.
2: I've got a, a a dark horse a dark horse prospect that right, uh, uh, I saw him in the um, in the rookie uh, camp and in the. <laughs> okay, you have an idea. Oh, I
0: think you already told me about him, but yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay, we'll see. Uh, uh, I saw him in the rookie camp, and I also saw him uh, play a few games, and I think he's on the radar for, like, uh, greater things in junior, and that's um, a guy by the name of Maxence Galette. Okay, never mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. He was a sixth or seventh-round pick, but he's I think he's playing in Val d'Or. Okay. in the quebec league and uh, he played in the um, he just recently played in the series there with the traveling uh, russian oh, okay, team
0: okay. he was on the Ke- team quebec
2: he started off on, he was on team quebec started off on the third pairing and now he's on the first pairing oh wow so the i don't hell know knows. <laughs> <laughs> could be a name to watch just dropping it here Okay. So we'll, we'll see what comes of yeah, uh, Max Wow
0: yeah. I thought you were going to say Parker Kelly because you had texted oh, yeah, me about Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I texted. Uh, I did. Uh, he did stood out to me, but uh, he's probably like uh, a couple of years away. Uh, maybe another Chris Kelly type player, you know. But uh, Stanley well, we'll cup see. champion,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, you need those character guys, and you're yeah. saying so, Matt, to bring it back to what you said earlier on uh, every cup winning team needs a Peugeot, I think it's only a matter of time before Peugeot loses his spot on the Sen. So that's why I'm saying, if in the way he's playing right now, like at the time of recording, he's just been an absolute animal, considered picking him up in fantasy, it's not happening, but um, he's just on fire, so why not sell? When he's high, maybe now's not the time to sell, trade him. But if you can get like a, if you can get a second for Pajot, I'm taking that trade any day. But
2: they already have three second-round picks this year. How many more do you need? I think like, we can get
0: trade like two of them I for a know. first or something. I don't know. Yeah,
2: it's true. You could package your picks and get another first-round pick. But I'm really hoping they 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 keep Pajou. Local guy. He's got a lot of heart. And uh, he can do everything on this team, you know, you, when you need him to. So uh, there are other guys that uh, that hopefully they move first.
0: So I can to get into other guys they can move into first, I can ju- I'll just list off quickly the lineup they have for tomorrow, Ottawa against New Jersey. So our first line is Kachuk, Peugeot, Duclair, Paul White-Brown, Nemesnikov, Baudin, and Bobby. Schlapik, tierney ennis and then defense well shabat zaitsev ranstrom hainsey borvo Demello, and davidson is in a yellow jersey so thoughts on these guys on the lineup right now in the lineup like who could go in your opinion
2: well tyler ennis for one yeah (laughs) i don't see a future uh past this year and uh, i mentioned him before chris tierney for sure and uh, Nemestikov is like uh, an interesting player, like intriguing too. Like what do you do with him? Do you wait like uh, for an offer or do you want to, if he's, if he's happy here, is if he's a good fit, do you keep him? I really don't know there. What do you think, uh, Matt?
1: Uh, I would try to keep Dukla before Nemestikov. Like, I'm not... A, I don't think I'm a fan of Nemestikov because of one thing I noticed the other game when Ottawa gave up a two-on-one when they were on the power play, and Nemestikov was just coasting to the bench instead of back-checking, basically. Like, I just... He might have talent, but his... I don't know if his heart is there. <laughs> and... But Duclair, I don't know if it's he's playing well because he wants a contract, but I've noticed he's really stepped it up this year. Although he's a young player that's already been on four teams. Five. Five.
2: So do you, you're you putting Duclair and Domestikov kind of like in the same category of player?
1: Yeah, you're right. It doesn't sound fair because one has more talent, I think.
2: Well, I don't know. Like They're both uh, offense yeah, I think they could uh, be players. Together. I mean, Duclair definitely has the speed, that's yeah. for sure. I don't know. I think I I, I'd put them in the same category.
0: Yeah, I I would too. Zuculato to me is a more electrifying player, and I'm—he's actually one of the players I like watching the most out of the sense because you never that X factor. Like you don't know what he's gonna pull off. He could get you a goal of the year in one game, and then like some terrible turnovers and sloppy. uh, shifts out there
2: yeah it's been a while since they've had a player that can go wide on the de- on the defense and cut in uh, on goals so it's exciting to see that you know I- i'd have to go back to uh Ma- Mach nine there have uh, lots, yeah martin Havlats also uh, one
0: of the greats yeah He was one of my favorites growing up for sure. But no, Zuclair, like he's fighting for his life at this point. Like, like you said, it's harder to stay in the NHL and he's had quite a few opportunities. Ottawa is probably the last spot. It's like the um, last, um, chance, last chance you or something like the last football. Have you seen that show on Netflix? No, No, never mind. Anyways. Um, but yeah, this is like his last, um, opportunity in the NHL, I think. Um, and he's played well for Ottawa. I think been a guy it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, he had a bad breakup with Columbus after like Tortorella's comments. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's trying to say like, no, no, I want to stay in the NHL, and here's what I can do. Because I I think his problems stem more from off the ice. Like, is is his head in it, and is he having too much fun off the ice? A bit like Tyler Sagan mm-hmm. when he was younger. Yep. Um, a player that worries me, and you guys give me your thoughts, please, uh, Colin White. Like, I'm having little doubts. Or is this because he wasn't 100% healthy that he was not playing to his potential? I don't know. He, it's, he, it scares me a little. Like, we just signed him, and I'm not seeing much.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd i have to agree. Um is there like uh, maybe undue pressure on Colin White to 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 show better than he is right now? But um, I think the injury played a factor. I can think of another player that kind of like had a slow start to his career and then um, leveled off to be like a pretty decent uh, performer. And maybe that's erratic Bonk. <laughs> yeah. That uh, maybe would I compare Colin White to erratic Bonk? I don't know, but maybe to the start of their careers, maybe a little similar.
0: Yeah, and if if, uh, White can become a bonk, I think that's a great comparable. Like a second-line center, who I think bonk, I looked it up the other day, had a career high of 70 points. I'm just going to look it up again there. But if White can give us 70 points in one year, that's fantastic in my books. For the contract he's on, I think is fair. Uh, Was it a little premature maybe in how much he had done in the NHL maybe yeah. but worst case scenario is a middle six Center who I think I thought played well last year even when after we traded stone um no I'm happy I don't mind white to be honest I'm still optimistic cautiously optimistic okay
2: here's uh here's a question for you let's okay the Sens tank mm-hmm. they get the to the lottery they get the second overall pick so first overall pick is Lafreniere. yep uh, second, um, the Sens get uh, Byfield, yeah. which is a center. Yes. So what do you do with your centers there? You, you put Byfield uh, number one, and then you got Logan Brown, Colin White, Josh Norris. Like, yeah. is there somebody, does Colin White become expendable or do you keep him uh, long term?
0: So that's, uh, I think, because of White's contract, we can't be making any drastic decisions too soon. We'll have to see how all these guys develop. Like it's tough to project where Norris and Brown, especially because they haven't played much in the NHL. White, we've had a decent sample size, and and Byfield, which that's the guy I hope we get just because he's a center. But obviously, like Lafreniere is still the number one guy. So if we have the first overall pick, we I think we'd have to take him, maybe make him become a center. I don't know, but um, you don't put Byfield number one center right away. I think you ease him into it, like you. Hopefully still have a, a either a Peugeot or a Tierney, a veteran center, to have your number one, take all the tough matchups. White can be a number two. He's proven that by field third-line center. And like I said, it's tough to project all these guys because they haven't played any of them yet. So, um, yeah, we have a logjam of center prospects. How good will any of them become? We don't know. That's the thing. Like, we don't have a surefire number one center prospect, which is worrisome, but you never know at the, at the same time. I wouldn't deal white though because of his contract. I don't think they're going to either.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, do you say it's worrisome because all great teams are built on that like that center that like the their best players their their center like I'm looking at like you know the Pittsburgh teams and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Is that why you say that? Well, I
0: say worrisome in the sense that we have all these prospects, but what's the ceiling for them? Like we don't mm-hmm. have a surefire. Star prospect yet, which I'm hoping we get at least one in this year's draft. But we never know what these guys, like these uh, Gannets are gonna become, right? <laughs> like, um, and that's the thing we we find these diamonds in the rough, like a Batherson's a fourth or fifth round pick, um, Guinness a bunch of other guys too, um, like Stone Hoffman. Uh, Alfie, all these old uh, old Ottawa greats we used to have. So hopefully we can hold on to some of these guys. But do I know what they're going to pr- become? Absolutely not. I'm just hoping they all pan out to be what the experts are saying is their potential.
2: Yeah, I got a little soft spot for the long shot there, Eric. So I like following <laughs> these long shot prospects.
0: <laughs> no, no, who doesn't? For, I'm obviously rooting for all our pro Me too. I follow most of our prospects and I hope they all pan out. But like, they all can't especially yeah. in the same system. We have too many of them. Like I said, Norris is getting scratched in the AHL. Local, Maxim Verano is getting scratched. Um, oh, uh, that's
2: who I wanted to uh, mention. Sorry, Eric, for cutting you off. All but, good. Again. Uh, the... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sens made room uh, in Belleville by trading Jack Rodewald. Oh, yeah. Rodewald, that's, okay. that's who I was thinking of uh, before we started the uh, podcast. Okay. So, uh yes you're right uh, Max uh, Veneno and uh, even um, Jonathan Davidson uh, were scratched in Belleville but now uh, I think that's kind of been resolved and Josh Norris has actually been thriving uh past few games uh, okay, right on. Uh, doing very well
1: but yeah so what what you were saying before like, so you're saying like the Sens need a we need our own Austin Matthews or Jack yes. Eichel or David Pasternak or, or I mean Mick no one's gonna be McDavid, but like a, a Drysidle or. Yes. So if we get, all of the above. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Have the Sens ever had a player like that? I don't think like Carl Carlson maybe the for the most talented player we've ever had. Yeah, I think like so by himself.
0: If you look back at his
1: draft, like the 2008
0: draft, he was like, I think 15th overall. You have Stamkos, Doughty, or one two then like Bogosian number three I think Petrangelo is pretty high too that was a lot of defensemen in that draft and you have to look back at Carlson probably as the best out of all of them or I was a big Dowdy fan back in the day especially when I got to see him in the playoffs so the years LA was dominating and to me he was the best defenseman at the time but obviously you got to see Carlson way more so uh, yeah you have to look back at that draft and look at Carlson as one of the best out of that draft and like yeah the most, the most special player we've ever had in terms of pure skill, I think.
2: Yeah, I agree. For sure, Carlson.
0: Who knows what Shabbat could become. I mean, I think his l- slump this year is a little not, like, not expected, but not surprising at the same time because he had this breakthrough year that no one was expecting this early from him. Down the road, yes, I think, but... Did anyone really think he was gonna excel the way he did with, by taking on Carlson's tough minutes and putting up the offense at the same time? I don't think so. I definitely didn't, anyways. And he definitely became a a super a superstar prospect. D. I don't think he's already a superstar there, but all star defenseman.
1: I think it's that whole the it's that whole thing of now everybody knows who you are and watch mm-hmm. out next year. It happens in like in the NFL all the time for a great first season and not everyone's watching next year for you and they and he has a lot of pressure too he just signed a huge contract so no i'm not worried about shabbat one bit like but a thing with the ottawa senators i've noticed in their whole like history from what i like from what i've seen is they've never like two years ago we made or three years ago now it's going to be we made the playoffs and i don't think I've seen the Ottawa Senators be really bad for a long time. Like, there was always, the, I've always remember them, like them making the playoffs at least every two, three seasons. So, which means we never really got like uh, like what Toronto did in getting a bunch of like high draft picks. So, maybe this will be the sequence of them being bad for four or five years. That actually might be a good thing in the long run. But that, that was just a thought I had. Mm-hmm. Me
0: too. I've like well, we're close in age, Matt. Like I don't remember the years where the Sens were getting first and second overall picks, like in the nineties when they were an expansion team, and even when they got Spezza. I don't remember that at all. Like I didn't follow the Sens as much as I do now. But yeah, I agree a hundred percent that we need a couple of years of like getting first high first round picks. Oh.
2: Uh, yeah, I remember those nineties. <laughs> <90s. laughs> I remember the ninety drafts uh, for sure. Um, they had like, uh, must have had like four years of uh, uh, drafting first overall. Um, but uh, the Spezza, uh draft pick was uh, just a fantastic trade by the general manager at the time. So that's how they were able to get that that second pick. And get Spezza, who uh, Kovacuk was drafted uh, that year first overall. Right. Um, yeah, from like uh, going back to what you were saying, uh, Matthew, um Yeah, the Sens had great uh, playoff success or like regular season success to make the playoffs. Like from I think from '97 to 2008, maybe even 2009, they they must have made the playoffs every year, uh, but from 2008 to now maybe they made the playoffs like uh three four times so yeah i think they're they were you need it you need to bottom out to like build back up so uh like you said uh this is the time for them to do it right now and it's obviously their plan they planned it since last year so uh they they got Tons of picks uh, this year and again next year. They got another three uh, second round picks next year, so we'll see what they can do with it.
1: It's just I'm thinking of that one in 2017. We got to the conference finals. I I thought like, I'm thinking that like that gave us false hope and like threw all our plans out the window. Like oh wait we're actually good enough to be a team like to make the playoffs. And I think that was a bad thing in the long run. And now we had to like restart after that. And yeah.
0: I think it goes back to what I said earlier that hindsight is 2020. 20, and I agree that the 2017 year and just the calendar year itself had two turning points in our franchise. One was the Kunitz game winner in double OT, which I think if we won that game, I think we would have won the cup against Nashville. The way we were buzzing, the way Carlson was playing whatever it didn't happen but and then the trip to Sweden because up until that trip the Sens were rolling too so like you said maybe some false hope there in that okay we're a contender now we got to go all in and um someone told me the other day that they think that the Duchesne trade was um the turning point because we traded away tourists because of his heart maybe I don't know but to me, I don't, I don't know why it affected us in the way it did. We won both games in Sweden, then we came back, and it was all, all downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Duchesne in the locker room too, just inability to gel with the guys or whatever. But I remember we were rolling that year. Like I thought we were going to be a, a contender again.
1: That that video that surfaced from like the Uber ride where the Sens are expressing their displeasure, like that pre- pretty much summed up that year, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, That was, yeah, maybe the Duchesne thing just threw everything out of sync in the room or something, and yeah, I was never a big fan of him, he just, something was always off with Duchesne, I think. But, I mean, the positive is, like we've been talking all night, the young players, it it is giving me hope, and maybe I sound a little frustrated, like, talking on this podcast about the Sens, but... Like I, I am happy. I do enjoy watching them. It's all not all negative. I yeah. love watching my Sens every night every night they play and I'm happy. I just I'm I'm so passionate that when they lose or when something bad happens I I like it it amp it it's I like it's it's more intense for me because I care so much. It hurts because I care so much.
2: Yeah, I told I can totally relate to that too, uh, Matt. I love watching the Sens and uh and um you know, sometimes I turn off the TV yeah. <laughs> and they're they're not doing they're not doing so well. So I, I I understand where you're coming from.
0: So yeah, for example, like at the time of recording, the Sens just got pumped last night, eight <laughs> two against Carolina, <laughs> which I kinda saw that coming. I was at the game the two days before Saturday where they beat Carolina four one, new franchise record for fastest uh, least amount of time in between two goals, which was awesome to see Pajot off the face off quick rip minus for Aho. But um, he redeemed himself the 8-2 win. Anyways, no need to get into that.
2: Did did he redeem himself with that slash on Nick Paul uh, before he (laughs)
0: scored? See, I wasn't actually I actually wasn't watching the game. So oh, that that I didn't, I didn't might have changed.
1: That. that was the turning point of the game. It could have been a five-on-three. Instead, it was a breakaway shorthanded. Yeah. Oh, and he scored
0: on the shorthanded yeah. goal, true.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, true. but it was a total miscall call uh, by the yeah. refs there. Uh, the, even the announcers were saying, how could the refs have missed that? <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, but yeah, we know we've covered up pretty well Like where we're going. Um, I guess quickly – Look at the twenty twenty draft. If you have an idea of who you'd want the sense to draft, if you have no one to say other than like, I'll. Do you have anyone that you're eyeing you know for what? the draft?
2: I, besides the uh, the first two uh, names, uh, I haven't spent any time researching anybody else of interest. You know. Okay. So I wouldn't have any names to throw in there. Um. It'd be really cool if they got. Uh, Lafranjar can you imagine if they had both of them like if San Jose were to tank enough that they would have both uh, first that. picks yeah that would be uh, that would be the ultimate but um i guess if they can get lafranjar that would be awesome
0: yeah so i guess that's a good segue to i got some f- listener questions to go with this podcast so that was one of the questions was from Mart, the Chevy's uh, loyal listener. <laughs> he asks, if we get a top 10 pick with the San Jose first rounder, can we say that we won the Carlson trade or do we have to wait to see how that pick pans out? Matt, throw it up to you first.
1: I would say, yes, we could say we won the Carlson trade, but j- that's just based on what Carlson's doing now in San Jose. And we, I think we dealt him at the perfect time where his career's declining Sadly, probably because of injuries, and he is getting older. But I think, I think we won that we win that trade if we get that.
2: Yeah, I would agree uh, that if a Sens can get a top ten pick, uh, I I actually think that they're they're on par or doing a, a little bit better in the trade already. They get a top ten pick on top of that. Uh, it would just put them over the hump uh, in terms of winning the trade.
0: Icing on the cake. Yeah, I think it's a unanimous three. Uh, all agree. if we get a top ten pick, like you said, it's an it's a deep draft, and there's other guys that we don't even know about that scouts are scouting. Like there's if two guys in Sweden, uh, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond, two guys that I think are gonna drop a little because they're not like on in on the North American radars, yeah. but they're guys that were ranked two and three going into the year, but are starting to drop just because they don't have the point production and like. Uh, Ottawa's a known team that has scouts that go all the way out in Sweden. We normally draft a guy out of like Jew Garden or however you pronounce it. Shout out Zibanejad. But um, yeah, so I think if we can get one of those guys later on, but I obviously want us to get one or two there. Um, but yeah, if we got a top 10 pick, absolutely want it. So um, another question is from Andy, my girlfriend. So she asks, who do you think will be the Sens' next captain? And who would you like to see be next captain? I can go first for that one. Just to reverse the order there. So me, I want Kachuk to be the next captain of the Sens. Absolutely, I thought he was going to get an A this year. Maybe that would have been a little too much for him. He's already showing that he's a leader out there. And that he's doing things that vets do. Picks up the pucks for guys who get their first point. He acts like he's been there before. He's chirping out there. He's a big presence. Guys are already don't want to mess with him. Um, and he's just—he seems like a positive guy to in a negative environment or a franchise really. And he's giving the fans a lot to cheer for and a lot of excitement that we're already seeing from his first few games and onto this year. So I think Kachuk's the guy you want to build your team around. And just say, yeah, he's son of Keith. He's he's been a captain before. It looks like Matt Kachuk's going to be the captain of the Flames too. They're he's already an assistant on their team. They say he's the heartbeat that drives their team too, and I think Brady's going to be the same thing, if not more important. This ends. Oh,
2: yeah, I like uh, I like Brady Kachuk as a, a choice for captain. Um, I was wondering about Shabbat if he would be like a good choice too. Of course, you know the two best players on the team. Uh, I think. Uh, so, but I don't know about Shabbat's demeanor. Um, um, Kachuk seems a little bit more outgoing. Maybe that uh, makes him a better choice. Although I, I have heard that Shabbat is like a real level-headed guy and a uh, quality individual. So he w- could also be like a great choice for a captain or at least an assistant.
1: Who I, th- who I want to be captain and is Kachuk, but I think they're going to go with Shabbat because Kachuk's antics, sometimes on the ice, you don't really want, I'm like playing devil's advocate, but you don't really want that to be like your captain doing all that and you know the guy going to talk to the refs i think shabbat's a better choice for that and then you tell brady like you don't you're going to be an assistant and you don't have to worry about all the like the captain do the captain's duties and you just focus on your keep doing exactly what you're doing and we we won't add any more responsibility to you and he can still be a leader in the room which i'm pretty sure he probably is now but shabbat's more like al said like level-headed and calmer you know you won't be like Jumping up and down at the like he's gonna be more cool, you know.
0: Yeah. Al's got the inside scoop. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah,
2: I uh, actually that's a really good point, Matt. That uh, Kachuk's style of play um, may land him in hot water, you know, uh, with the other team, with the with the refs. Do you want uh, that kind of player to be your captain? Uh, that's a that's an interesting uh, take on it. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway,
0: it is a good take. My counterpoint to that would be that I see Kachuk as like his ceiling as a Jamie Ben in his prime. I don't think Ben is as much of a pest as Kachuk is now. But I think that he might cool off in after a few more years in the league. Kind of like Matt, I think he's a little calmer now. He took, he had like 200 penalty minutes in his rookie year or close to that. And um, since then, he's just rounded out his game and been more of still a physical player, but more skilled, I think a Ch- Brady's going to end up becoming like him as well, and um, yeah, I think they both kind of take after a Jamie Ben style of player, so he's the captain of the stars and we'll see though, I agree though, Shabbat also would be a great choice, I was wondering if you either of you were going to say like Pejo or Borvietsky because I think those are the two front runners if we were to have named a captain this year, it would have been one of those two uh,
2: definitely <laughs> not Boro <laughs> Uh, I think we've discussed him uh, quite a bit at the beginning, but uh, actually, you know what? I was thinking Pajot. Um, I love Pajot; uh, a great Gatineau guy. So uh, why not him? You know, if he's here, he could be kind of like an interim captain until uh, the these younger players or the coaching staff uh, sees them fit as being able to take on that extra responsibility.
1: Pajot, I would have no problem with. And but if ever Mark Borvietsky is captain, and I'm saying this like it's going to be recorded, so if he is captain, I will sell each and every single one of my 3,000 movies. Okay? That's how much I know it's not going to happen, okay? And you can call me out on it if it happens, all too. right?
0: I'll oh, we'll have to look back on this one as a uh, as proof of what you said, episode 26. So... Yeah, I hope he's not named captain. But Pajou, we would have he would have to get a, a lengthy extension, I think. Or, Anyways, he needs a new contract right after this year. So, we'll see what happens there. So, next question was a bit more on the disgruntled Sens fan perspectives. My cousin, Farid. He says, asks, how long before we see a new owner? And uh, Matt, maybe you're more in line with his uh, vision of the owner.
1: The... I mean, I hope, like, I hope soon, but it's, it's all in Melnick's court, you know? We don't, we're, we can only, it's whatever he wants, and it's super frustrating because he seems like he's either playing hardball or he's, he's going to, like, play it till the end where everything's in a really shitty situation, part of my language. Like, uh, I don't know, to be honest, and I hope, I think it's going to be longer rather than sooner, and we're going to have to suffer more.
2: Well, uh, if you believe like the rumors out there or the tidbits you you read on social media, on the SENS websites, that uh, the SENS are actually for sale right now. That there's, there's like some... Uh, uh, something going on in order to like uh, see if there's any interest. Is it what Melnick is saying? Is it just positioning on his part? Does he actually want to sell? You know, it's all... Unknowns right now. I think if somebody were to offer him like uh, the same amount that Seattle's paying for uh, a franchise, uh, he would jump all over it oh, and uh, that would be it. Although I th- just to to uh, cover a bit of like uh, franchise values right now, like I don't have a problem with like Ottawa selling less than what Seattle franchise is worth. That is, I th- the reasoning I think is that it's the average uh, value of a franchise. So there are going to be some teams that are going to be below average, uh, above average. I mean, the Rangers are, I think are worth like one billion. Yeah. They're, so they're the worth they're worth the most. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me that uh, Florida Panthers or uh, Arizona is worth like six hundred million. Right. They're at the lower end of the spectrum. I would well, probably so put, are we, I think, yeah too. yeah I mean at least I think like in the four five hundred uh, range, uh, I can't see why uh, it wouldn't appeal to uh, to Melnick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just see Melnick as this extremely stubborn, hard headed guy that just has to have his way and go out on his terms kind of thing. So I don't really know. Like like Matt and Al, you both said, I have no. We have no idea what really goes on. These rumors I feel like have been going on for so long that all oh, the team is sold. I've heard my dad say, oh, I heard from this guy who told, who knows Melnick or whatever, that they already sold the team. Like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing, you know? It's kind of like Avatar 2. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) a good one. So, I don't know. To me, I don't have much more to say that hasn't been said on the topic of Melnick. Um, Thank you for the question, though, Farid. And hopefully that gets resolved sooner than later. And the last question I got was from a fan who wished to remain anonymous for some reason. Um, Are there any players on the Sens or former Sens that would be worth a pickup in fantasy hockey? So I'm gonna I'm gonna start by answering that going into the year, in my opinion, for fantasy hockey, there are only two players that were fantasy relevant, and that's Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat. I actually wanted to draft Shabbat, but he went so high in our league, like second round, that I, I don't think that was the time to take him. But <laughs> and Kachuk was a keeper, so there's like nothing I could do there. But um other than them, I mean I drafted Duclair. He's actually doing super well. Well, super well. It's, um, relatively speaking, here. But he creates a good scoring chance every game. So I think he'd be worth a pickup right now. I'd hold off on Shab- on um, Pajot just because he's strictly center eligible. And I think he's going to cool down eventually. And we're just a team that lives in the minus, right? If, you're, if your league counts those stats, I would steer clear from any senator to begin with, other than Kachuk and Shabbat. But um, former sends. I don't know. Like they're all, they're all like star players, so they should already be picked up. If like stones available in your league, go for it. But um, I think Hoffman would be a buy low candidate because I don't think he's doing that much right now in Florida. But he's a guy who could end up with thirty, despite starting kind of slow. I think. I'll uh, pass it off to you.
2: Um, Dezingle is another uh, player. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's um. He's got a good uh, spot there in Carolina on the third line, though, but I think he gets some power play time. Yeah. So um, uh, he might be somebody to, to to look at.
0: Yeah, agree.
1: Yeah, drafting any sense player in fantasy is risky just for the plus minus, actually. You don't want any players on bad teams, pretty much, uh, except for the Stars. But, like, even then I'd be careful. Like, look at Carlson in San Jose, like, He's always on the ice when San Jose gets scored on, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um and Mark Stone's just like it seemed like Mark Stone's getting better every year which I know. I'm so oh, Like he's my favorite player in the league. Him and Crosby. So like, why would you trade him to Big Al's Bruisers? <laughs> I know and as soon as he started talking about him, oh.
2: I dangled the first round pick <laughs> and that's why.
1: Yeah, and I I didn't even think about it. I just pulled the trigger and Yeah. But hate, uh, this year, there'll it. be other uh, trades like that this year because I do have four keepers, and I have to there make my go. choice. Yeah. Uh, um, we won't get into that. And that's.
0: I mean, we kind of can. On the topic of, like, former Sens who are still playing, I think uh, if you look at, like, the past four trades the Sens have made recently to offload all our star players, or five, I guess, with Hoffman, um, in the last, almost coming up on two years now, we've covered the Carlson one extensively with Mart's question, but... Um, What's the one you think we got the best return on? Out of the Stone for Brandstrom, Duchesne for Davidson and Abramov, and I think a third. Um, first. No. Did we? Oh, yeah, we did get a... Right, that was our... Yeah, yeah, first it was the first, first round, round pick. pick. Yeah, Lassie uh, Thompson. Yeah, exactly. My guy. Um, and then we got Hoffman for Bodker. We did... And what was the other one? Zingle for two seconds and Duclair. Matt, maybe we can start with you. For what do you think the best one was? What do you think the worst one was out of those four
1: trades? Honestly, the worst one was the Mark Stone. I think shocker because uh, not nothing against Brandstrom, but like I think Stone is like getting better. Like I said, getting better every season. And the best trade they did was probably honestly maybe the the one to get Duclair. Because, well, it's hard to say because we haven't seen all the younger players pan out. So I don't know if I could answer that, really. I'm not super knowledgeable. Like, who knows what Thompson Lassie Thompson's going to end up like. Uh, maybe, Al, you have... <laughs> because you know more of the prospects. <laughs> um,
2: you know what? I'm f- kind of forgetting the Mark Stone trade. I know they got Branstrom, of course. Branstrom
1: but-
0: in a third or maybe a second. Second or third, uh, it wasn't the first. Maybe a second, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they got more from uh, the Duchesne trade, uh, but the one that kind of intrigues me is Dezingle. Uh I think Zucla for Zingle would have been straight up one for one, you know, but to get two round, two second round picks out of it, I think they really maximized zingle's value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's tough to say. Like the one thing I didn't like was how uh, Dorion was like really boastful after the, the um, the stone trade. You know, he was a hurt yeah. and soul player, and he comes out after the trade saying, "This is my best day as an Ottawa yeah. senator." You know, GM. So I didn't really like that comment. But <laughs> I think uh, Branstrom is, is gonna be like a, a good player. Is he another Eric Carlson? Who knows?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Is they we're kind of greedy in the sense that we want to see results right away. And they, to me, Branstrom has not once this season impressed me. Maybe I'm being a little too blunt, but just looking at him, like he's just, I don't know, maybe there's a learning curve obviously to the NHL, but maybe he's being rushed because like you said, I think if Wolanin hadn't got hurt, he would have been in Belleville this year. But I don't see why they haven't sent him down, in my opinion. Let him like, thrive more in the AHL on a team that would give him first power play unit undisputed. Maybe he'd be doing better, and maybe he needs that right now. So, yeah, trading away Stone definitely hurt because I thought like he was going to be our captain this year if he was still with us. And I think he's going to be Vegas' captain. So that's a re- another reason that makes that trade very tough to accept. Best trade is Zingle, in my opinion. But if Brandstrom really pans out, then that makes it a little easier to accept.
2: Uh, just something to say on Brandstrom that, like we heard, you know, Nick Paul was given the news to find a place he was going to stay. Uh, actually, same thing with uh, Scott Sabourin, that <laughs> yeah, they told him to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I've heard that uh, Brandstrom is still living in a hotel. So. Mm. I'm not sure if they're willing to give him the same commitment for this year. So I have a feeling that he will see time in Belleville and they will uh, call up either Lajoie or uh, Yaros, uh, As Really, I can I see as those two being the top two defensive prospects in Belleville right now. So uh, I think we will see other players come up here for, for, for a stint. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I said it on the podcast earlier, but I was surprised that Yarosh got sent down. I think he's a he would have been a solid third pair like physical um not much offense to him, but who cares? A third pair defenseman like maybe a Borvietsky, but could actually end up be developing into a more offensive player than Borvo.
2: Yeah, like he uh, I like Yaros's uh, his size. Mm-hmm. He looks like a good skater. Um Maybe it's the decision making, you know, like uh, that's uh, that the coaches didn't like or they saw uh, something uh, better with another player, but uh, I see lots of upside with Yeros. Yeah,
0: me too.
1: Matt, uh... I agree about everything you guys said about Yeros. <laughs> I think it's be- like we got Ron Hainsey in the Toronto trade, so like we kind of had to play he's going to just play out his last year, so okay, more more ice time for Yeros in Belleville. Okay. Uh, Yeros will be there next year, just because Hainsy won't, hopefully. and Boro hopefully won't. And yeah. So no, I love, I really like Yeros as a player. I, I, maybe it's just me, but I thought he was a really fast skater. Like he's got good, uh, he skates really well. And Lajoie, he was didn't he start off last year with like all these points?
0: Yeah, on fire, like yeah. unsus- insustainable How yeah. well he was scoring, right? But it was exciting to yeah. watch at least. Yeah. But yeah, I wonder what his future holds in Ottawa if it if it does if he has a future, I should say.
2: Yeah, does he become like a, a victim of too many uh, prospects and uh, and no time to bring him up to Ottawa or does he become like um, uh, um, a trade bait uh, in terms of a prospect? you know how sometimes, Teams will will like to package like three things together to get like a better player, like a pick, a prospect, and a player off your roster. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he becomes like that player, kind of like, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think like who they gave up for, um, for Bobby Ryan there, Jakob Silverberg,
0: and yeah, uh, Frederick Stefan Neusen, or yeah, Neusen, Yeah, yeah, how yeah, you yeah, pronounce his name. So yeah.
2: he was like newly uh drafted, yep. And unfortunately, his career fizzled. But uh, maybe one of those players becomes like involved in a bigger trade to land a bigger fish.
0: I think some of our guys, our prospects, are gonna have to be because there's literally not enough room for all of them. And like I said earlier, like what's their ceiling? We have no idea yet, so I think we're gonna have to eventually give up some of these prospects for bigger fish, like you said. Like the rumors that were floating around about like Toffoli and stuff joining Ottawa. I think that would have been a decent move, if you don't give up too much. Like I think if we'd given up like a second round pick or second and third or something, that wouldn't have been the way Mm -hmm. to go. But giving up like a minor prospect and a pick, maybe or two minor prospects.
2: Yeah, and there is an Ottawa connection with Tyler Toffoli, uh, him having played his uh, junior career with the 67s. So uh, who knows if he would have enjoyed coming back to Ottawa.
0: Yeah, yeah he's like, oh, this place again. <laughs> <laughs> from this south side of LA to cold winters, already snowing in November.
2: Uh, there would have been good memories from his junior yeah, days. Yeah, for he, sure. he would have been like,
0: Ottawa, I love it, yeah. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um I guess to wrap things up quickly there, we could go around like fantasy quick things and want to talk about if you guys want to there. Like someone on your roster you think is going to continue to have a big year in fantasy hockey. No, it doesn't have to be a center because I don't know if any of us have sense. So
2: somebody on our fantasy roster that's going to continue having a good year.
0: Or that maybe isn't doing exactly what you thought they would, but you think you believe in that they will. Okay, okay.
2: Well, yes, I have a player like that, and it's Braden Point. He's mm, kind of yeah. underachieving right now, so uh, I was debating whether I, I should put him on the trade market. Yeah, you I know, I should have made an offer. There. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
2: but you know, I do believe in Braden, yeah. so I think he'll he'll turn it around.
1: I mean, I have my easy answer. The player who's going to continue to do well is Brad Marchand. He's killing it for me. But a big disappointment for my, uh, one of my defensemen is uh, Klingberg for uh, Dallas. He mm. just... I mean, Dallas has a whole this year, very uh, poor season so far. And the first game, Klingberg gets two points. Then he gets hurt, and he's out long-term. So that was a big disappointment. So he's underachieving. But honestly, my whole team is, like, um, I do not have high hopes for my team this year. That's all. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you were in, like, uh, you were in the top spot there for a
1: while. I don't know. Maybe six hours, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. That fantasy can change on a dime. Um, The sad part is I have, like, three (laughs) players in the top ten in points. So it's not all about your top. It's not top heavy. You have to have depth.
0: You gotta, gotta draft well yeah. those who are listening yeah. and um, that's uh make the I mean, right moves. <laughs> Keep him on your roster for a couple of days and then get rid of him. <laughs> so me quickly would be uh, I have a few guys that are underachieving, but I'm not too worried yet, like Aho, I know he's gonna turn the corner on. He's just too good not to. And I actually like I've watched Carolina play a few games now and like he's the real deal. I think he's gonna end up like if you can get me 60, 70 points I'm not dropping him anytime soon. He's if someone's trying to offer me like Nugent Hopkins, Gus for Aho, it ain't happening. But
2: uh, Braden Point for Aho, mm,
0: so <laughs> I might have to talk off air here. We'll see. Um, is he center left wing or just center? eh?
2: I think he's a dual position. Okay, I, I, okay,
0: we'll see. We okay, can okay. work something out. Maybe I'll throw in a, a Lejoie in there, sweeten the deal. But uh, yeah, Aho. Um, and Dallas in general, like Matt said, is really, um, really disappointing. Cause I have Bishop and Siguen, so it's mm. tough to uh. see. But who knows? Like in the NHL nowadays, it's a young man's league, and like Segen is only like twenty seven. But that's kind of you're getting a little older in the league, unless you're the ageless wonder like Ovechkin, still lighting it up. Someone I'd like to see break Gretzky's goal scoring records. We'll see. Yeah. Um,
2: one thing about the Fantasy League is uh, who's going to knock off uh, Big Z there from his perch?
0: I mean, I, I like my team. Um, we'll see what I, it's a. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's never the person, and Zach, I'm sorry, but it's never the person that's winning for a, a um, stretch of time early in the season that wins. It's almost impossible to have sustained success for the whole year. Like last year, it was Chevy's, um, He still has a good team. Like, you got your people who are always threats like Andy Swat is a force. Um, myself, I think I'm, I'm in the running there. But um, now there's a lot of people with good teams. And you know, some teams are there's the rebuild that you just got to commit to for a bit. You, Big Al, you've, you've been up there for a while too.
2: Yeah, I've been dropping a little bit, but uh I just wanna give a shout out to the to Zach there that he's been sustaining it yeah. and they're doing uh doing awesome.
0: Yeah, good for him. His team is doing well for sure. He's got some good uh, top dogs. The riding Boston is working for him. Two goalies. Yeah. No, he's doing good for sure.
1: And speaking of rebuild, like, you know, the teams at the the teams that are at the bottom, it's not all bad. Like uh My father, who recently joined the pool, like he has the best rookie right now. And that's a huge shock. And every night I try to offer him a new trade for him, (laughs) and he will not trade him, which is smart. Exactly. But Kel McCarr is, I mean, that's how you rebuild your team. And it's an automatic keeper for next year. Exactly.
0: Hoister is going to have some decisions for his rookie to
1: keep. Well, he has like, what, seven of them? (laughs) so uh, Four, right okay. three, three three okay
0: but no it's true Makar is he's actually the only rookie that's really killing it this year it's kind of been a weak crop so far I've got uh Samsonov Washington's goalie so I hate seeing Holtby get the check mark every night it seems like but uh yeah um biggest
2: uh, sorry, I, I just want to add to that rookie uh, thing. That uh, I, I really like that component in the pool yeah. that it adds like uh, a little bit more strategy. You gotta, you gotta digs to find that rookie. Yeah, you know yeah. who's gonna who's gonna give you the points. Especially, I took Batherson this year, and then he got uh, he got waived to go to the minors. So I had to to scramble and find somebody. Yeah. So it adds an extra element, which I enjoy.
0: Well, yeah, speaking of ZWA, his rookie, Adam Fox, just scored a goal. So, see, that's how you got to keep making these right moves, being aware of who's doing what and uh, adapting to your surroundings. So, yeah, going forward, just to wrap things up there for the Sens, there is hope with all our rookies coming and the ones are already here. Logan Brown, I'm glad he's with the team and hopefully doesn't get sent down again. I think he should stay for the year, just have some growing pains but um that's someone I'm rooting for. Hopefully he doesn't get have too many injuries that sideline his progression. Um Yeah, any parting words on the Sens where we are, where we're headed, Matt?
1: Yeah, and maybe I sounded negative tonight on, on like talking about the Sens, but I am optimistic and I am looking forward to watching these young players develop and be our staple players in like years to come. And I know it will get better with the owner situation, so I'm trying to be, I'm going to be more positive in the future and I know it's going to work out.
2: I think there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, great, interesting players that are going to make their, their debuts. Um, they're they're going to be excited. They're going to be motivated, and uh, it sounds like they're they're soaking up everything the coach has to offer. So, I'm uh, I'm excited for that. One uh, comment on Logan Brown. I want to see him have success as well. I'm just concerned about the, the 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 these injuries that he seems to be getting, especially this one here. It seemed like such a innocent play and. I wonder if that's going to be maybe a symptom of his career, you know, like if he's going to yeah. be like a little injury prone, but that's kind of too soon to label him as that type of player. We'll see what happens. Uh, just, just, uh, voicing an
0: opinion on it. Yeah, no, for sure. That's what we do here. And, um, Last thing, big... I'm a big DJ Smith fan. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on him there, but I like the work ethic he's instilling in the team and just his energy. I think that's why he's a big Brady fan as well. That's another reason I could see him getting the C. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, it's a good place to wrap it up. So, Al, thanks a lot for joining Matt and myself. First time uh, co-hosting here. Well, yeah parting words yeah
2: great Uh, I've had a lot of fun Uh, it went by super fast and uh, I just want to thank you both for having me on the uh, on the podcast thanks guys
1: yes sir I'd like to thank you too, Al for coming and thank Eric for asking me to join his like his podcast I mean I was very flattered when he asked if I want to be the co-host and we're going to have many different subjects to talk about in the coming future. And I look forward to talk about many different things and yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. We're so no. Like, thank you again, Eric, for asking me to, uh, like I enjoy every episode I do. I enjoy even more. Like I'm getting more, uh, comfortable and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I can see the the growth for Mm -hmm. sure. And we're only getting started. So yeah, no, thanks a lot. Um, for joining us gal and, um, yeah, no, we're still going to figure out what the rollout's going to be for Matt and myself there for what we're going to do for upcoming episodes. But I just want to say again, thanks to everyone for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping in the near future. Not going to set a set date for when the next one's coming, but uh, don't worry, we'll have some good content coming soon. So, yeah, peace.